0: Um, Yeah, it's great to be here to share with you guys tonight. Um, For those who are new or or haven't been here for the last few weeks, we've been doing a kind of simple summer service where we have each brought a little bit of something to reflect on um, and a different spiritual uh, spiritual discipline um, to reflect on. Um, Today I'm bringing... The Spiritual Discipline of Imaginative Contemplation, um, similar to what Annalise brought, but slightly different, um, <laughs> just to, you know, premise that. Um, I, but I thought as we come to the end of this series, um, it'll be quite, yeah, good to revisit some of the stuff that Rose brought at the um, start of the series. Um, so, yeah, when Rose spoke first, she brought the message, uh, passage to us from Matthew 6, 6, um, and the message translation which says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. And and a few comments that Rose made when she shared that passage was um, the first that there's an invitation here um, to be ourselves before God to slow down. Um, and then when we do that, that's when the shift happens. Um, that in prayer, Jesus is saying that it's important to be present and attentive, to be ourselves, um, to be simple, simply there and honestly there. I was actually just reflecting on this today. I was driving um, down Island Bay, I, Island Bay um, with kind of a podcast blaring. Uh, it was just this gorgeous day outside. And and I, was just, I think I was just thinking about those because I was, you know, obviously preparing today and thinking about how that noise drowned out so much of how, what I could see. Like, it may not be the same senses of what I could do, but that the, the noise and the, um, it was a great podcast, but um, the noise and the, that um, really, yeah, stopped and kind of cut off the senses of everything else. Um, and so I think there's an invitation for us to, yeah, to be present and attentive to God in prayer. Um, and, and finally, when our minds, uh, sorry, um, that it's easy to talk at, at God um, when we pray, um, but struggle to listen and hear what might God might be saying in response. I mean, this is a pitfall I particularly fall into. For those who know me, I love talking. Um, so it's not an unusual. Uh, I'm going to take this off, actually, just because I remember the people on the right side. Um, yeah, to, to, to remember to, to be attentive and actually listen. Um, Yeah, so in that vein, I'm bringing the practice of imaginative contemplation, which is also known as Ignatian um, contemplation. Um, And because context is my top five, I thought I'd first cover the history of the practice. Um, So Ignatian contemplation was named after St. Ignatius of Loyola, um, who was a Spanish Basque Catholic priest and theologian who um, co-founded the Jesuit order, uh, the Catholic Jesuit religious order. Now, so the story goes that um, Ignatius first grasped the importance of imagination during his long recovery from battle injuries. By the way, I'm just getting this off the internet, so like if you didn't do that, that's the internet's fault. Um, His key insights about God came through his imagination. He used to daydream about the lives of the saints, their acts, or about feats of knightly valor, and this website says and romantic adventures. Which is a really weird addition to uh, the list. Anyway, uh, <laughs> through this, he developed um, this practice of imaginative contemplation um, using his imagination and integrating this into his prayer, um, into an approach of a spiritual life that yeah he outlined in his book, um, Spiritual Exercises. Very creative name. Um, and through this, the imagination becomes a tool to help us know and lo- um, yeah, know and love God. And I thought just reading the story that reminded me a lot about my experience of imagination and this particular spiritual discipline, um, which I will go on to describe. Uh, Yeah, so I have a vivid and deep imagination. Um, It was and still is uh, normal for me to imagine worlds at a time um, and keep them in my head. And I've always loved that. Um, One thing that popped into my head when I was writing this was that I used to imagine I was a saber-toothed tiger um, that would turn into like a human anthropomorphic form and then the two tooth would become like two swords, like sabers. Uh, absolutely riveting stuff. And he had a friend with him who was a rhino and he turned into a rhino with like a big spear it's like a buff dude. Anyway, uh, side of point, uh, just thought I wanted to share that with someone. I don't think I've ever shared that before, so it's like a really interesting <laughs> tidbit into my life. Um... Uh, we could just, like, redact that for the recording. Yeah. Okay? Uh, so quite naturally, even before I had heard of imaginative contemplation, I think this was a practice that I had used. So what is imaginative contemplation? Uh, there are various forms of it. And I guess at the end of the day, it's just using your imagination. And an example of last week, Annalise brought was this beautiful form of imaginative contemplation. But um, the, the type I'm bringing today and speaking about today is it's, it's the kind of the most common form, I guess. And how it works is that you take a passage from scripture, usually one from the gospels, and you immerse yourself in it imaginatively using all your senses. So you read the passage, you feel the heat of the day, you smell the livestock, if there are any, the clouds onto the dust on the road, listen to Jesus' words, watch his actions. It's a way to engage with the gospel personally and with all our faculties. In short, we imagine to place ourselves fully within the story from the Gospels, allowing God to speak to us through our, all our senses. Um, so for myself, um, in many ways, like I said, this practice is something I undertook. When I read a passage, I would imagine deeply what it would be like to be that person, to be approached by Jesus, to walk on the same dusty soil that he walked on. And in doing so, I think, I believe that this practice cuts against this ingrained desire of myself and people around us um, to, to be this pure rational self. I think for those who don't know me, I'm a lawyer and one of the things that comes with that is this expectation to think in a way that's like, like all logic and rationality and nothing else um, and that the assumption that all people are rational creatures and that's it and there's nothing anything outside of that cannot be yeah, cannot feed us. Um, I thought this quote again from the internet, Um, really spelled it out quite well. It said, We live in a rational, left-brain world with global technology at our fingertips. Yet as human beings, our soul is still fired by color and imagination. Our minds are storehouses of images and memories, and through them, God works in our hearts. Praying with our imagination can create a deeper and more personal intimacy with Jesus, Mary, the disciples, and others written about in the scripture we can take the familiar stories we know and let them flow through our own imagination and see where God guides it. And, and I was reflecting on this today that sometimes I think with these spiritual disciplines, we can be really quick to want this outcome from it, like that I want to do a spiritual discipline and I want a word from God, you know, go, I don't know, somewhere, uh, go go do this or go, go be that, right? Um, but I think I've come to this realization that sometimes in these spiritual disciplines, there's a deep work, as a deep um, word that's spoken into you that you can't even pinpoint. Um, that in these, the practicing of it, that even if we're not able to name it, that God's working in those spaces. Mm-hmm. So I think this is an encouragement that if you do try any of those spiritual disciplines, that it may not be a ne- a necessarily this tangible thing to receive from that, it may not be a word necessarily, but it may be that God is working in this way that our rational selves can't even comprehend.
1: That's
0: a thought. Um, So how do you start? Um, we first get in a comfortable, quiet space. This is the um, traditional um, first step for all spiritual disciplines. <laughs> um, settle yourselves, ask God to open our hearts and imaginations. We then pick a story out of Scripture. Read it through once slowly, um, put it down. Today we're going to read it twice just because of the kind of communal nature of doing this. Um, And we begin to imagine the scene as if we are standing right there. What is around me? What do I smell? What do I hear? What conversations take place? What is the mood? Is it confused? Um, Is it joyful? Is it fearful? Feel free to paint this picture any way you like set aside the historical accuracy of this um, situation, which is hard for me, but um, it can be a distraction that leads us away from this type of prayer. Like, historical accuracy really important for things like exegesis or uh, interpreting of um, text. But for this practice, it's really to allow God to take our imaginations and review something to us about the intimate life of Jesus and others. Um, Yeah, here's an experience of prayer that allows our imaginations to free themselves from anything that limits them. This is God revealing themselves to us. And you can imagine yourself as one of the captives. How would you feel? Um, for example, one of the classic ones they, they teach um, in this is um, during the calling of um, Peter and Andrew, um, who are the guys <laughs> who are fishing, and then Jesus comes along and is like, come follow me, and then they drop their nets and follow him. Um, and in that imagination... Um, they often ask what, well, you can ask what's in the net. What am I dropping to follow Christ? And 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 I guess that's a really yeah interesting example of how God may want to speak to us tangibly um, in that way. Um, but again, that's not the only way He does it. Um, yeah, and I was also reflecting. I was doing a lot of reflecting. I think I said reflecting like eight times. So just to add a few more. I was thinking about. Um, a talk that Podrick Othuma um, brought to us um, here at Blueprint Anvil House a, about a year ago. Just under a year ago. It was like right before lockdown. No, it was like two days before lockdown. It was quite wild. Um, an and Irish poet, theologian, conflict mediator. Awesome guy. If you don't know who he is, um, he's on, on being a lot. He's like the, I don't know what the, poet, what? Poetry Unbound. Poetry Unbound. Yes, an awesome podcast called Poetry Unbound where he brings a poem that he loves and talks about it and then reads it twice, and it's amazing. Um, check that out. I don't know why I'm promoting him. Um, one of the things he uh, discussed was the Judaic Bidrash, um which is a form of um, biblical exegesis or interpretation and a process of which we ask question, they ask questions and inquiries within the text. And um, the thing he said was he was talking to his um, Jewish friends and they challenged him, saying um, that you need to ask better questions. Um, God can cope with your questions. And one of the examples he, um, he spoke about um, really stuck with me, and has stuck with me for like the last 10 months, um, um, was that he talked about, if you're familiar with the story of Abraham and Isaac going up the mountain, um, yeah, that the Midrash asked the question in the notes, what did Abraham and Isaac talk about as they descended the mountain? <laughs> and it's such a, I think there's such an insight to that question. Um, and I think that's the beauty of this imaginative exercise. It allows us into what God may be bringing to us to ask better questions and to allow God to facilitate those questions. So, I just want to go back to the, um, the first thing I talked about, which is what Rose brought. Um, um, so, we talked about first how, um, this, um, in terms of prayer, and in Matthew 6 6, we are invited to slow down. Imaginative contemplation forces us to slow down. It is impossible to, I say, shotgun through a text, which is a weird <laughs> phrasing, but to, to, to go quickly through a text when we need to imagine what it smells or feels like. In doing this practice, we force ourselves to slow down and to breathe in the smells and listen to the bird song of Scripture. Second, to be present and attentive. Um, through our imagination, we engage deeply with Scripture. We ask God to speak to us through this time, and we say, here we are, use our whole selves, and we are attentive to Him. And third, to be listening to God and what He has to say. In our engagement with the imagination, we open ourselves to what God has for us and the various ways um, they may want, want to speak to with us. Mm. Um, so that's pretty much the end of my sharing aspect. But before um, I get Connor up to play some worship for us, and um, and then we enter into the time of actually practicing that spiritual discipline, um, I wanted to talk about the passage a little bit as like, a really Um The imaginative contemplation we have today um, looks at the um, um, presentation of Jesus at the temple. So, on Tuesday, which is February the 2nd, is um, Candlemas, um, which is an awesome name. This is Candlemas, it's great. Anyway, they bless the candles at the time. But anyway, um, where we commemorate Jesus' presentation at the temple. Um, so, where he gets blessed as a baby, um, according to the Jewish law at the time. Uh, yeah, and I think, like, some of those, like, kind of nitty-gritty passages that, like, kind of, like, don't, I don't know, for me, at least, kind of don't sit well. Sit, not sit well, but sit Um, that don't necessarily lend itself to easy interpretation um, when you first read it. I think this is a cool exercise for that, There's the mundanity of that can be where God speaks through to you. Just a thought. Um, So yeah, um, I'll invite Connor up to sing a few songs. Um, Then we will practice this communally after worship. Um, Feel free through worship to find a space which is comfortable for you. Um, Don't feel like you need to stand stand or sit in your seats. Um feel led as you need to yeah. Um, so yeah,
1: just up to the reading. Okay. Literally asked just two minutes ago, so <laughs> okay. when the
2: eighth is that on? Yeah. When the eighth day arrived, the day of circumcision, the child was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. Then, when the days stipulated by Moses for purification were complete, they took him up to Jerusalem to offer him to God as as commanded in God's law. Every male who opens the womb shall be a holy offering to God, and also to sacrifice the pair of doves or two young pigeons prescribed in God's law. In Jerusalem at that time there was a man, Simeon by name, a good man a man who lived in the prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah of God before he died. Led by the Spirit, he entered the temple. As the parents of the child Jesus brought him in to carry out the rituals of the law, Simeon took him into his arms and blessed God. God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes, I've seen your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see. A God revealing light to the non-Jewish nations, and of glory for your people Israel. Jesus' father and mother were speechless with surprise at these words. Simeon went on to bless them and said to Mary his mother, this child marks both the failure and the recovery of many in Israel. A figure misunderstood and contradicted. P- the pain of a sword thrust through you, but the rejection will force honesty as God reveals who they really are. Anna, the prophetess, was also there, a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was by now a very old woman. She had been married seven years and a widow for 84. She never left the temple area, worshipping at night and day with her fastings and prayers. At At that very time, Simeon was praying, she showed up, broke into anthem of praise to God, and talked about the child to all who were waiting expectantly for the freeing of Jerusalem. When they finished everything required by God and the law, they returned to Galilee and their own town, Nazareth. There the child grew strong in body and wise in spirit, and and the grace of God was on him.
1: Um, Find a place where you feel comfortable. Um, Feel free to move from your seats. Lie down, lie back. Um, Take your time with this prayer. Um, God is in no rush. So how it will work is I'm going to read parts of the passage. um, At a time, and as I do, um, I'll take a break in between to allow you to imagine the scene. Um, Yeah, sense the senses and allow God to speak. I have the prompts in these spaces, but feel free to drift off, um, away from into your own world. Let's first ask God to open our hearts and imaginations. God, our Creator creator of our minds, our senses, our imaginations. Open our hearts and imaginations to you, O Lord. Speak, Lord, we are listening. Then when the days stipulated by Moses for purification were complete, they took him out to Jerusalem to offer him to God as commanded in God's law. Every male who opens the womb shall be a holy offering to God and also to sacrifice a pair of doves or two young pigeons prescribing God's law. In Jerusalem at that time, there was a man, Simeon by name, a good man, a man who lived in prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit had shown, himself, had shown him that he would see the Messiah of God before he died, that by the Spirit he entered the temple. What does this temple look like? Is it a small, a large space? Is it lavish, adorned or simple? Is the day home or is it cold? Sense the expectancy of Simeon. Does he look like Like perhaps someone familiar? of the child, Jesus brought him in to carry out the rituals of the Lord. Simeon took him in his arms and blessed God. God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes, I have seen your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see. A God revealing light to the non-Jewish nations. Our glory, your people, Israel. Picture Simeon holding Jesus in his arms. Imagine how he would have felt to hold the Messiah. What or who is he blessing? Blessing. Jesus' father and mother were speechless with surprise at these words. Simeon went on to bless them and said to Mary, his mother, This child marks both the failure and the recovery of many in Israel. A figure misunderstood and contradicted the pain of a sword thrust through you. But the rejection will force honesty as God reveals who they really are. Imagine Mary and Joseph, a surprise. Picture of Simeon blessing them. The prophetess was also there, a daughter of Faniel from the tribe of Asher. She was by now a very old woman. She had married seven years and a widow for 84. She never left the temple area, worshipping day and night with her fastings and prayer. At the very same time Simeon was praying, she showed up, broke into an anthem of praise to God and talked about the child to all who were waiting expectantly for the freeing of Jerusalem. What does Anna look like? Imagine her praise, the feeling she felt in the jubilation when she has realised that she is witnessing the Messiah they have been waiting for. They finished everything required by God and the law. They returned to Galilee and their town Nazareth. There the child grew strong in body and wise in spirit, and the grace of God was on him. What did the ride back to Nazareth look like? What did Mary and Joseph say to each other? How did they feel? As we come back to yeah, the space we are in, um, it's going to end on a small liturgy. Um, it's the liturgy that's in the dictionary for Candlemas. Um, so. God, your Son Jesus Christ was presented in the temple to be the hope of your people. God, has pure hearts and minds, that we may be transformed into his likeness through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.